listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. We're in this whole series of kingdom paradox and upside down world and how often what God calls us to and how He calls us to live in His kingdom is so different from the earth's ways. And what we're going to look at today is this whole thought of being in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. And I don't know about you, but there's been quite a few times where I've felt like a complete outsider. You know, for me, I grew up in New Zealand in a small uh, country town uh, called Thames, actually 20 minutes outside of Thames. And it was a town of just 5,000 people. It was very small. And I spent all my primary, all my high school years and got to 18. And then it came time to where I needed to study at university. So I made the decision to leave home. And it was a big decision because I was leaving Thames and moving an hour and a half uh, north up to Auckland to the big city. And I remember this, this feeling of being so overwhelmed like this little country girl moving to the big city and just feeling like this duck out of water, just completely thrown, like the bigness of Auckland City. And I just remember feeling overwhelmed. And I was moving into this Christian hostel where there was about 35 other young people that were there as well, all studying. And I remember the first weekend, the sense of, well, you know, I've got to make a good impression because I'm living with these people for the, you know, the next year. And I don't want to seem like that crazy country girl that doesn't kind of know anything. Like I've got to make friends. I can't be the loner off on her side just doing her own thing. And so I remember chatting to a group of people when I got there and they're like, oh, you know, we're going out clubbing tonight. Do you want to come along? And I'm like, Yeah, totally, because, you know, I wanted to put myself out there and meet people, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I I had the two steps, so I'm like, okay, it's going to be all right, and, you know, we're we're good. And I had my fluoro, like, flare pants. They were big back then, people. I guarantee it. And, uh, And so I pumped myself up to go out with this group of people. There was about 10 of us heading out. And and so we got, I got all dressed up and we got into the cars and we headed down to the city and we got our parks and then we got out of the car and walked down to this, to the um, the club kind of where it was all happening. I just been, remember being overwhelmed in this massive big city and we stood in this line and this line just went for ages. You couldn't see the end of it. So we're waiting in this line, just chatting to each other for about 20 minutes. And then we get to the, uh, to the point where you can see the end of the line and there's a security guard checking something from everybody. And so I turned to somebody in the group and I said, oh, what's that guy checking? And they kind of turned to me like, okay, where are you from? And, and I'm like, what, what, what's going on? He's like, oh, they're checking IDs. And my stomach just dropped because I didn't have my ID on me. Like I didn't realize that they checked IDs. I thought they just trusted everybody when they said what their age was. And so I remember this heart, my heart dropping and being like, how do I tell this entire group of people that I haven't got my ID? And so I remember like almost whispering to the girl next to me, I haven't got my ID. And she turns to me like, again, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Thames. All we have is the holy cow. Like that, that's it. I remember having, we, I, the entire group ended up being turned away because I didn't have my ID. We all got back in our cars and drove home and I was that country chick that turned the entire group away. And I remember this sense of just feeling, 
feeling so like this little girl in this massive city, so alone and such a foreigner in this strange world. And I later discovered that clubbing was so overrated anyway that it wasn't even worth the effort. But, you know, I have come as a Christian to be very familiar with that feeling of feeling like a foreigner, feeling like you don't quite belong. And you know what? I actually think that's a great feeling to have. You know, we don't belong in this world that we live in. The Bible actually describes us as foreigners and aliens in this world, the sense of not belonging. In Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 14, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. I love that. There's meant to be something on us where we feel different, where we feel like we don't quite belong, where we feel like we're not settled here. I often say it to our kids. We've got three kids, one nine and one almost seven, sorry, seven. She is seven now and 11 months. I've got so many now, confuse their ages and their names and whatever, but we have that I say to our kids, it's okay to be different. Get used to being different. When they come home and complain, I can't watch that, but my friends can watch that. Why can't I go to that? My friends can. I'm like, get used to it. You are going to be different in this life. And we've got to have that sense as Christians that we are called to be different. We're called to be foreigners and aliens in this world. Come on, there's something in us as people though that so wants to just be one of the crew. One of the crowd, just average, fitting in with everybody. But our identity is not found in that. Our identity has been found in who we are in Him. And as we find who we are in Him, it gives us the security to stand being different and being called into who He's called us to. I love what it says in 1 Peter 2 verse 10 to 12. Dear friends, I urge you again as foreigners and exiles in this world to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that although they accuse you of wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. We are not called to live bound by sin. We are called to live lives that are different, that are holy, that are righteous. Come on, that are free from things like drunkenness, from thieving, from cheating, from lying, from sex outside of marriage. Come on, we're called to live holy lives. And if we're in a place here this morning, we're battling that and it is a battle. That verse says those desires that wage against your soul. That's part of the world we live in where we're going to face those constant battles. I want to encourage you that the key is not that we are better than anybody else, that we face those battles and overcome them. The key is who we have living on the inside of us. And as we surrender to Jesus Christ, His Spirit enables us to live in victory with those things. And I really want to encourage us, you're not going to overcome them by just fighting them on your own. Come on, you've got to be honest with somebody, a leader that's around you that can walk alongside you and partner you. And come on, get on your knees desperate for God to surrender to Him, to allow Him to intervene on your behalf. Come on, none of us are better on our own accord. It's only because of the living God on the inside of us and the victory He gives us. 1 Peter 1 verse 16 to 18 says, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Come on, we're only holy because of Him who lives on the inside of us. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time here as foreigners. Again, that phrase, 
Live in reverent fear. For you know that it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Come on, we're foreigners because we live for something far more powerful than the material possessions in this world. Our eyes are not fixed on earthly things. No, they're fixed on heavenly things, on eternal things. And there's got to be something in us that feels like, man, when other people all around us are going for those things, no, we're different because our eyes are higher. We have a greater vision, a greater view. And I love that. So there's this challenge in the middle of it all. We're called to live different yet we're still called to live in this world. And Jesus puts it like this when He is about to go to the cross and He's praying to His Father and He says in John 17, verse 14 to 16, I have given them your word. He's talking about the disciples to His Father and the world has hated them. So they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And He's talking about us here too. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. How awesome is it to think that Jesus is praying for us? He's interceding for us. And he says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So what Jesus is saying here is that even though I love them so much, even though I would love to protect them and take them straight into heaven, I want to send them into this world as my ambassadors. I want to send them as foreigners and exiles, as my ambassadors, so that people would know the truth of who I am. So that people would have that knowledge of the living God that's on the inside that can be available for every single one of us as my representatives here on this world. And that's where this whole catch cry has come from, to be in the world, but not of the world. And how crazy is that to think the main reason God wants us here is not just so we'd enjoy this life. It's not that we would just get through it, just survive. But it's that we would make a difference in the lives of others while we're here walking on this earth. That is the sole reason we are here. The sole purpose that this earth is still moving, still ticking, that Jesus doesn't come back is that so more people can discover His goodness, can discover His love. And I've just had this message burning in my spirit this week because I have this, I suppose, this urgency from heaven. Do we really see our lives in that light? Do we really see the urgency of the commission before us and the urgency of God's heart for people? Do we really get the purpose for why we are here? Do we have our eyes awoken to actually what it's all about? See, I think the greatest challenge is in reaching this world is that we get so consumed by the world around us that we lose our effectiveness in it. It's like it says in Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth. Come on, we're called to be different, like salt brings out the difference, the flavour. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Come on, if we lose our point of difference, if we lose our purpose for why we're here, what's the point of it all? And I love, um, I love the Avengers movies. Anybody seen Endgame? 
Yes, there's a lot of us that are passionate about it. It was a funny story. We were actually at a shop recently as a family. We're at a counter getting something, and we just, Avengers came up somehow, and the girl in the, who was serving us said, oh, man, I'm so pumped to see the movie, you know, the new movie, Endgame. It's about to come out, and I've done everything so that I won't hear, you know, any of the um, things that take place in the movie. I've, my brother's been trying to tell me, but I've just every time managed to block my ears and haven't heard anything. And Zion, our nine-year-old son, pipes up, and he's like, yeah, my friends at school told me that bit bit dies and bit bit dies and bit bit dies and you just totally ruined the entire movie for her. She was just devastated. I'm like, son, shh, just like your father, shh. <laughs> Not really. He's more like me. But, but the sense, you know, I love, I love the Avengers movie. My favourite character is Captain America. He is my all-time favourite. He's just such a good guy. You know, he undergoes, in Captain America movie, he undergoes this radical supernatural transformation. He goes from this weak little guy to this superhero who can, you know, he's there to save the war. And there's this moment in the movie, though, where he gets caught up in the propaganda of the war. He gets caught up in uh, just this task that he's given and he loses his effectiveness in that moment. And then it takes him being sent to the war front and he sees the reality of war and the girl that he likes said to him, says to him, you know what, you're made for so much more than this. And I have the sense that God is saying the same to us this morning. Come on, are we in touch with the reality of the world around us? Come on, are we seeing the lives of people that are all around us? Are we aware of our role, of our commission, of the task before us? Come on, to reach a people that are hurting. Come on, and the craziness of all the politics at the moment and everything, there is no answer, like Craig said before, in our government. Come on, the amount of homelessness, the amount of murders, the amount of anxiety, the amount of disorders that are all around us in our city here. We are the ones to reach people. It is not through a political ideal. It's not through a program that's gonna reach them. It's people reaching people. And our God has commissioned us wherever we go and whatever we're doing to reach people. Come on, to love people. And again, I just feel this urgency of God's heart saying, come on, what are we doing about it? See, what I find the greatest challenge is, is that we end up as Christians, especially living in this thing that I call the bubble effect. If I can have my prop out this morning, that'd be awesome. See, the bubble effect is where you are content in your own world, impervious and unaffected by what is on the outside of it. Impervious, unaffected, by what's going on around us. And I'm going to wear this this morning to help me illustrate how we kind of end up living our lives sometimes as Christians. We end up living in this bubble. If I can have my others just come up on stage and help me. See, this bubble world that we live in is all about, you know, what our gender is and what my comfort is and what I want to do with my day. You know, we wake up in the morning and the first thing we think is, what am I going to do today? What's my agenda? The house that needs to be cleaned, the bills that need to be paid, the grocery shopping that needs to be done, the dry cleaning that needs to be picked up, that all these things that I have to do. And we go to work and, you know, at work, we're all about the emails that need to be done and the tasks that need to be completed and the goals that we need to reach. And while we're there, we just don't even see the people that are in our path because we're all about our kind of world and what's happening in my space and 
We just end up just knocking into people without even realising it, without even realising the potential uh, realities of what's going on in their world because it's all about my world. And then we go to the gym, we pump iron, we do what we need to do to lose calories and we miss the people that are at the gym all around us because, again, it's just about our little world. I've got to be honest, I've been waiting a long time to do that. <laughs> you know, we go to the supermarket and again, it's <laughs> again, it's all about the shopping that needs to be done, the list that needs to be done, we lose the person behind it. We go to parent-teacher interviews and we're all about airing <laughs> about our kid and we lose the person that's in the teacher that we're having the interview with. You know, all around us are opportunities to influence people. All around us are opportunities to influence lives, to have meaningful connections with people. But we can be so caught in this bubble of our little world and everything that's happening in us that we don't even see people. We're just oblivious to those that are around us and what's going on in their world. And I just, I had this, um, this, just this, uh, this passionate desire this morning to communicate God's heart and say, hey, we've got to get out of the bubble. We've got to get out of this thing that so holds us captive to our comfort and what we want and our securities and our agenda and our needs and our wants that we lose the sight of people. I need to get out of this now. Why don't you give everybody a hand? That'd be awesome. We lose people. We can be so engrossed in the world that we live in that we actually miss the world all around us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 to 21, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you. I love that. Come on. We beg you. We beseech you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Come on. All around us, God wants to set up divine appointments for us to impact people, for us to reach people. And I'm just beginning to realise this more and more. Last week we had uh, Mother's Day at school, you know, the fun activities that you go and do as a mum, which are actually about the kids more than you. But anyway, we won't get onto that topic. And uh, so, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we've got to go do this. And the kids are dragging me around school with all these different activities that you need to do. And one of the activity stations was doing crafts. And there was an old teacher there of Zion's from two years ago. And I knew that her mum hadn't been well. And so I just took a moment with her. I just said, hey, how's your mum doing? And she, right in the middle of the class, she just burst out crying. She's like, oh, she passed away and it's coming up to three months. And, you know, my life just feels so empty. I'm starting to question my faith. And just all this stuff just came out. And I was just like, in that moment, I could have so easily, because I was about the next thing, missed that moment that God wanted to bring, that exchange 
of His love, of His hope. And I was just able to say, just in this heart conversation, hey, God sees you. And then I felt, went home, we went to um, Target after that. I got a beautiful candle. I got a one of the, our Bibles from church. And then I wrapped it up and I just had it sitting there all week. And to be honest, I just got caught up in other stuff. And then Friday came and I was like, man, I've got to get this. And we were running late and Zion was like, mom, I don't want to take it. And I'm like, you're going to take this candle. And... <laughs> And so we went into school a little, tried to get in a little bit early and Zion took this candle into her and, and then I got an email from her that night and she's like, I'm just, just wanted to let you know how this truly made my day. Today is the three month anniversary of my mum's death and I'm sitting here with the candle lit. I'm actually reading the Bible. I've never read the Bible before, never been given it. She's just got a Catholic faith where she goes to mass and I just wrote in the Bible all these scriptures and I said to her, you know, you can communicate to God yourself. You know, this is an opportunity where he wants your faith to become real for you. And just in that moment, you know, we can so miss the moments because we're just so consumed about what's going on in our world. And I just want to encourage us today, we've got to get out of the bubble. So what I want to do is just talk about how we get out of the bubble, bursting the bubble. Three things that it takes to burst the bubble. The first thing is we've got to be intentional and being present. Example with Jesus, he was present wherever he went. When he met with the woman at the well, he was hungry, he was thirsty, and he was tired, but he took time to instill hope and love. When he healed the blind man, he was on his way to a certain destination, but he stopped where he was going and he took time to heal the blind man. When he encountered Zacchaeus, he was just passing through the town, but he changed his plan and ended up staying. And uh, all Zacchaeus' friends were saved as well. When he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he was caught actually in a crisis of a woman, a little girl dying in that moment, but he took aside the crisis of the moment and engaged the person. And I love that about Jesus. He always made the most of the moment. Despite his hunger and tiredness, he valued the woman. Despite his plans, he healed the man. Despite his agenda, he stayed with Zacchaeus. Despite the crisis and what other people wanted him to do, he took time to heal the woman with the issue in blood, which actually resulted in the greater miracle of the little girl being risen from the dead. Come on, and whatever he did, he stopped his agenda, what he wanted to do, his feelings, his emotions, and he went with the moment. I don't know about you, but far too much and far too easily, I'm dictated by my demands and what I want and leading in life rather than being led by God's prompting. And I just wanted to stir us today. Come on, let's set aside our agenda, our feelings, our emotions. Let's not allow them to lead us as much. And let's look for the God moments. Let's look for the divine appointments that God wants to set up all over the place. Learn to be intentional with lingering with people. I do it with school all the time. Friday afternoons when I go and pick up the kids, I just linger with people. Ask the question, look people in the eyes. How are you doing? Take time to listen. You know, as Christians, we are so all about giving people the answers. But will we actually take time to listen to people? Actually take time to sit down with someone and allow them to be vulnerable with us. Actually allow there to be this, this closeness of relationship where someone can let down their walls and let down their guard and communicate how they feel. And that allows you to actually get to the heart of someone's situation. Rather than just pumping down and putting your theology and what you think down their throats, allow there to be this closeness of intimacy, of relationship. I love what Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. I love the Bible, just puts it like it is. But we can be so like that. I just wanna give someone the answers and then they'll find Jesus. But actually, 
It's about making time for people to allow them to take down their walls and actually feel like they're loved and connected with first. Just listen to people. And it's amazing what happens in those moments. All the effective times I've had with my friends from school have been out of this place of just sitting down and listening what's going on to their wor- in their world. And as you listen, heart starts to come out. And as heart starts to come out, you are in a place where you can share your heart. And it's amazing the divine connection. Just heaven comes in that space. I remember a few weeks back, one of my friends telling me, again, she's not a Christian, but huge stuff is going on in her world. I can't relate to it at all, and I don't even pretend to. But for an hour, she's sharing with me everything that's going on. And at the end of the conversation, she's bawling her eyes out, totally vulnerable. At the end of the conversation, I'm just able to say, you know, have you ever prayed about this stuff? Because it's huge. You can't carry it on your own. And she's like, yeah, sometimes I think that I should pray, and I, then I pray to the angels and And in that place, you're able to go, you know, there's a God that actually hears you. And you're able to bring Jesus in that moment. If I had gone in there, hey, this is what needs to happen, she would have just closed down. Just come with that ear to listen. Are we tuned in to hear what's actually going on in people's lives? Our son Ezekiel, in 11 months, he'll wake up in the middle of the night and he will cry. I will hear him instantly. My hubby just snores through the entire thing. And I'm like, in the morning, babes, did you ever hear him? It's honestly a gifting. I wish I had it. But as a mum, your ear is tuned to hear the cry of your child. Are we tuned to hear the cry of humanity that's around us? Or if we just become familiar with it and tuned it out? All around us are people that are crying out for someone to love them, for someone to care enough to listen Come on, psychologists are unindated today because people just want to pay someone to listen. And yes, they've got great answers and great solutions, but half of it is actually just having someone to listen who we can be completely honest and raw with. Come on, are there people in your world that have that feeling like they can be completely honest with you and raw with you because you care enough? Is this making sense this morning? Come on, I want to challenge us with this question this morning, you know, are we being present enough with people to get to the point of realness and vulnerability with them? Are we being present enough with people to get to that point of vulnerability and realness? And I love what Charles Spurgeon writes, let eloquence be flung to the dogs rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls. They are not won by flowery speeches. It's about connecting heart. The second thing is burst, in bursting the bubble is we've got to prioritize my part. We're called to be different, to be set apart from the crowd. And I love one of the things Zion's teacher said to me in that moment that I connected with her on that Mother's Day activity was, you know what, there was just something that drew me to you. We are called to be the light of the world. And that's not through our striving. It's not through our efforts. It's simply because of God's presence that's on us. Like it says in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your God in heaven. Let's not be contained by the bubble. 
but let our light shine. Let God's presence flow from us in everything that we do. And how do we do that? We do it through showing people God's love, by showing people God's character. All of us, every single one of us are called to lead people to Jesus. Every one of us, it's not an evangelism thing. We are all called to love people. In whatever sphere we are in life, we're called to reveal God's character. Now, I love when Zion was just little and he came home from school. It was just in his first year of school and he came one home one day and he said to us, you know, Mum and Dad, do you know what? Not everyone believes in God. Like I was talking to my friend at school today and he doesn't believe in God. Like how could someone not believe in God? And I remember kind of thing, not being sure what to say, and I remember Craig saying in that moment, what did he say? He said, it's because they don't know how good he is, buddy. But the best part is that we get to show them. And I love that. We get to show the world how good our God is. The only reason people have separated from God is because they have a wrong perception of who he is. We get to reveal his character we get to reveal His goodness. 1 John 4 says God is love. So if we're gonna show people who God is, we show people through love. Come on, every moment that we live throughout the day, there are opportunities to show God's love. Are we looking for those opportunities? Come on, we can get so caught up in this bubble again that we lose the opportunities to love people. Just the other week again, Zion came home from school and he's like, oh, mom, a little girl in our class has just got cancer. The teachers told us today and, you know, in that moment, you can get a moment like that, just kind of pass on by, you're not doing anything about it. But I thought in the moment, hey, what can we do? She lived on our streets. We went and got a little care pack for her, dropped it into her that that day. The parents were just overwhelmed. Like, thank you so much. This is so kind. And every time lately we've been going to the park, we just knock on their door and we say, hey, would you, do you want to come? Because she's just at home. She's having chemo. She's all on her own. Do you want to come to the park with us? It's just little things. And it's meant the world to that family. But again, we can get so caught in this bubble that we lose sight of just how practical love looks, of how practical it is to reach people. Come on, are we looking to reach people? Because it was always the priority of Jesus. I love what Billy Graham says, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Are we doing our part well by loving people? And you know, often when we hear this kind of stuff, we can think, well, love is just so sloppy and emotional, but love is strong. Love is an action. Love is looking for something solid that we can do for someone. And love is not compromising. I, it's funny how often you hear this excuse in church, you know, I'm playing sports now on a Sunday and I've got to miss church, but you know, I'm reaching people. We compromise what God has called us to, because we're going to love people. You know, to reach people, it doesn't mean compromising God's Word. God's Word has said, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. You can do both at the same time. It doesn't take sacrificing one over the other. God's called us to build His church and reach people. Both go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. And I've never seen more people reach because God's Word has been compromised. Come on, love is strong. It's secure in who we are, secure in our difference, but in our difference, reaching people. 
and getting out of the bubble. Is this making sense? The third thing is that we've got to trust his part. Trust his part. Don't look at our inefficiencies and all the things we feel like we can't offer people, but trust the God that's on the inside of us. I still remember when we uh, went from youth ministry to working with, you know, all church and we were working with West Auckland, uh, our West Auckland congregation at the time. And I just remember coming home one night from a women's meeting that we had and just feeling overwhelmed and crying to Craig and going, I've got nothing to offer these women. Like, I am so inadequate. I can't relate to their testimonies. Like, I've got nothing to offer. And I remember Craig looking at me and going, babe, I hate to say this, but this is actually not about you. Like, it's not about what you've got to offer. It's the God that's on the inside of you that you are offering to people. Like get past your insecurities, get past your inadequacies and actually offer the hope of the world to people because that's what they're looking for. But we can so let our stuff get in the way of reaching people. Come on, we're offering them something that is far greater than what we've got anyway. Robbie, if you could have me come out on stage. See, what I find happens in reaching people, is Robbie gonna come out? Oh, yes, fantastic. See, what I think kind of happens often in reaching people is we can get frustrated because, see, the thing is, the people that we're reaching, they are also in their bubble. They are in their world, their understanding, their way, their knowledge of who God is. And what we do is we try and burst their bubble. And, you know, we try and impact their world and, you know, tell them about the love of Jesus and get our point across and kind of do our thing with them. And then we get frustrated at the time it's taking. It's not taking the time that we think it's going to take. And, and we get, you know, like to the point where we just push them off the edge and then we just get sick of it and just do our thing. Because why haven't they, you know, come into a relationship with Jesus yet? and I'm so frustrated by this. And what God has called us to, though, is actually to partner with Him, to partner to love people, to partner to get alongside people, no matter how long it takes. Because we don't know the timing, but we've got to trust God with that timing. And what it actually is, it's an internal decision on somebody else's behalf to let go. See, for Robbie to get out of this, he's got to be the one to make that decision to let go. The only way I can influence that is through prayer, getting on my knees before God and going, God, would you change him? Come on, would you reveal yourself to him? Would you reveal your love to him, your character to him? Would you help him just to let go? And as I pray, as I get on my knees before God, there's this divine exchange that happens and God starts to speak to Robbie's heart and I continue to love him and to reveal who God is. And eventually their bubble comes off. And again, often it's not in our timing, it's in God's timing. And we cannot allow our frustrations to push others away because it's not happening how we think it should and when we think it should. We are just called to do our part and trust God with His part. Why don't you give Robbie a hand? I love what 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says. This is Paul talking to the church. He says, who do you think Paul is anyway? If I can have Niger, please, that'd be awesome. Or Paulus for that matter. Servants, both of us. Servants who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust our lives to our mutual master. We each carried out our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered the plant, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. Planting, watering are menial servant jobs at minimal wages. What makes them worth doing is the God we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. Trust God with the growth in people. 
Trust God with it. We are simply called to love and then trust Him with the rest. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. Jesus Himself did not try to convert the two thieves on the cross. He waited until one of them turned to Him. Now we make reaching people so complicated. We've got to learn to get ourselves out of the bubble. Practically reach people with His love and then just trust God with the rest. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5 says, Just as you'll never understand the mystery of life forming in a pregnant woman, so you'll never understand the mystery at work and all that God does. He is a mysterious God and we are never going to understand Him. And that's where trust comes in. And I just as we close this morning, I'd love to ask you the question, every person that's here, have you opened yourself up to the goodness of our God? Like I said at the beginning of this message, this entire service today has been put on for you. This entire message that I've done is all about our heart for people because we have discovered a God that so loves us. And we wanna see every person that we meet, every person we encounter discover that same love. And it's not because we get anything from it, it's because we know the change that He's brought in our lives. And we simply want others to have that same truth and that same reality. And if you're here today and you know you're not living in that personal connection with God, and Gemma said it before, you may have a religion, a set of beliefs, but you're not walking in personal relationship with Him. Then what we're gonna do right now, just where you're seated, is we're gonna pray a prayer. And that prayer is a personal invitation from you to God saying, hey God, would you come and be part of my world? It starts this journey of saying, I'm wrong. I haven't got it all right, but I know that you're right. And as I trust you, I know that you're gonna lead me into victory. You're gonna lead me into your truth, your understanding. And all it takes is a moment of surrender from us. So just while every eye is closed and heads about, if you're here this morning, you know that that's you, you're in this place where, you know what, I know I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to open up my life to Him to discover His love. Just right where you said, why don't you raise your hand to heaven to say, hey, that's me this morning. I know I need to acknowledge His goodness, who He is. Just where you said, why don't you raise your hand to heaven. Fantastic. Just to acknowledge, hey, I know I need Him. I know that I need to open my love my life to Him, to allow His love to pursue me. We're gonna pray a prayer and every one of us is gonna pray that prayer. And if this is for you in particular, I really wanna pray you to pray from your heart to heaven this morning. So repeat this after me. Jesus, I open up my life to You. Would You reveal Your love to me? Would, would You reveal Your truth to me? I give you my wrongs and I start a new relationship with you. I give you my life. I pray from this moment on, I would know your love, I would know your joy, and I would know your peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Come on, how awesome is that? And If you prayed that prayer for the first time, 
there was that sense of, man, God, I'm giving you my life and you sense of starting a relationship with Him, then what I would love you to do is fill out the Live Connected card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. Tick the teal box that you made that decision today, maybe for the first time or you rededicated your life to Him and then put it into the drop box as you leave and we're just gonna send you one letter or an email letting you know the next step that you can take in your personal connection with Jesus. Or otherwise, even better still, if you head to our Connection Hub or the Information Desk, you can get one of these Bibles. Our team will be holding them up. And this Bible is God's love letter to you. And we really wanna give you this as a gift to say, hey, why don't you start the journey of getting to know God's character for yourself, discovering His Word and His truth. And I guarantee you, as you go on that journey, you will look back and your life will never be the same again because you trusted in His goodness. And I know I am, I'm putting up my hand. But in a way of, man, God, I wanna be used by You more. I wanna be used by You to reach a world that is all around me that do not know You. Why don't you just again put up your hand where you're seated. I'm just gonna take a moment to pray for us. God, I just thank You for the incredible commission that You have given us. And God, I pray that we would see people in a new way. God, that we would make that decision to get out of the bubble that everywhere we look, we would see those God moments to influence people. God, that we would take time to be present with people, that we wouldn't be scrolling through social media just distracted all the time, but we'd be present with people. And God, I pray that You would engage our hearts in a greater way. Awaken us, God, to that great commission again, Father, that You would stir, God, in a new way, the sense of purpose that we are here for. God, get us out of ourselves and alight that fire within us again, God. Father, I pray that God, God, as your heart breaks for others, our heart would break. God, as a church, I pray you that you, we would go to a new level in reaching others. God, that you would just take off, break off any apathy, any comfort that we find ourselves in. And God, you would stir new eyes, give us new eyes to see, give us new ears to hear. And God, that you would use us to reach people. God, we just declare as a church that we are yours to be used. God, use us to love people. Use us to reveal your goodness to people, we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.